breast cancer. Those are two words your patients don't want to hear and news that you don't want to deliver. Unfortunately for one in eight American women, it's a truth they'll have to face in their lifetime. And the risks are clear. Besides being female, the two major risk factors for developing breast cancer are advancing age and family history. In fact, about 80% of women diagnosed with invasive breast cancer are age 50 and older. And while family history of the disease is an important risk factor, up to 80% of women diagnosed with breast cancer don't have one. Unfortunately, many women still have misperceptions about who is at risk. They think, I don't have a family history of breast cancer, so I don't need to worry. My mom had breast cancer, but I'm only 43. The good news is that with early detection, we can try to reduce the risk of breast cancer mortality. Through awareness and education, we hope to improve patients' willingness to be screened for breast cancer. To help in this effort, Lilly has created the Strength in Knowing Breast Cancer Awareness Program and website. It's designed to educate women about their individual risks and provide a means for them to share this knowledge with others. At strengthinknowing.com, women can hear from professionals as they discuss the importance of knowing the risks of breast cancer, find out about events they can attend in their city, and help spread the message. The resources may also be helpful to you and your practice. There is strength in knowing about the risks of breast cancer. So spread the word today. Visit strengthinknowing.com and tell your patients to visit too. I didn't realize I was at risk until I visited. I told my sister, my mother, and my aunt. This program is sponsored by Eli Lilly and Company. Answers that matter. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Women's Health, sponsored in part by Eli Lilly. Your host is Dr. Lawrence Stryker, Assistant Clinical Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Northwestern University Medical School, the Feinberg School of Medicine. The influence of hormones on how you think. With me today is Dr. Veronica Ravnikar, the Chair of the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at South Shore Hospital in Weymouth, Massachusetts. Dr. Ravnikar trained in reproductive endocrinology and infertility at Brigham and Women's Hospital, Harvard Medical School. Today, we are discussing hormone extension to preserve and enhance cognitive function. Welcome, Dr. Ravnikar. Oh, thank you for having me. There's substantial evidence to support the importance of estrogen to cognitive function, yet it seems like there's relatively little emphasis on proactively preserving the ability to think clearly once menopause hits. So, Dr. Ravnikar, can you start by reviewing the mechanisms that have been identified whereby estrogen may influence cognitive function? Oh, sure. In terms of cognitive function decline and aging, it may be due to a number of different factors, although the layperson always thinks of Alzheimer's. But the cognitive function decreases with aging because of decreased blood flow due to either narrowing of the blood vessels in the neck, the carotids, or in the brain itself. It's also due to inflammation, plaque formation, and probably immune consequences and uh, changes in neuronal growth and communication. So there's a number of different mechanisms, and they may each be very different and each have a different influence by estrogen. Mm -hmm. And 
there's also some evidence that estrogen actually stimulates neurons and their ability to communicate with each other. Are you aware of that? What are your thoughts? Yes, there are animal models that clearly show that. So in, in the rat model, clearly dendritic proliferation increases with estrogen therapy. And the dendrites are really the commutative channels between neurons. So when those are destroyed, the neurons die off because their communicative ability, so to speak, is not functioning. So definitely in the animal model, it's very visual. In terms of the human, you obviously can't study that as clearly, but in terms of different neuroimaging experiments, we can see changes in neuronal output during different activities that an individual does before and after estrogen. So indirectly in the human, we can see that brain function is different with neuroimaging studies when women take estrogen or are premenopausal. In the clinical studies, are the benefits of early estrogen and cognitive benefits demonstrated consistently? And and what are some of the problems with these studies? The gold standard of all studies is always the double-blind placebo prospective trials. And so when a study is not done in that fashion, it's always subject to the issues of bias, of patient selection, of using healthy patients only in your study to prove your endpoint. So in terms of the Women's Health Initiative, everyone was hoping that that would give us an answer because it was designed as a prospective study. And it had several different arms, but one arm of the study was studying 27,000 women either on estrogen plus progesterone or estrogen alone. After the age of 65, a sub-study was included in women after age 65, and there were about 4,000 women. And what was looked at there was whether or not estrogen in that subgroup of women would decrease dementia, the WIM mm-hmm. study. So there what was shown was that it really didn't. In estrogen progesterone, it actually worsened dementia. In the estrogen-only treatment arm, it appeared that it had the same pattern, but it wasn't statistically significant. Then also giving the idea that maybe progesterone is also a culprit or or doing something separate from the estrogen. Mm -hmm. Having said that, that was the prospective study, double-blind, placebo-controlled. But where that is critiqued is that it only studied women over age 65. In that specific subset study, they also had a lot of women that dropped out, a huge dropout rate. So everyone has gone back and said, especially when we looked at the cardiovascular data from the WHI group, to say, well, maybe a younger woman is different. Maybe the brain is more plastic, so to speak. It was also very short. The the mean follow-up was only about 4.2 years. And that really does not seem adequate to make the kind of conclusions that they drew. Yeah. However, in terms of the study, it's a hard study to do. So in terms of setting up the study and executing it, it was as good as it could possibly be. And the the investigators that designed it are, you know, preeminent people in their field. But it still has those limitations of huge dropout rate and the fact that they only studied women over age 65. Now, the WIMS trial also didn't address the question of the impact of estrogen administration in the early postmenopausal years on later dementia risk. And the other problem with that, of course, is that we're always worried about stroke in giving postmenopausal women hormone use, so that the recommendation is to not consider hormone replacement. Do you think that the data is sufficient to make that kind of a recommendation to not give women early estrogen because of the stroke data? I think the stroke data is probably very different from the mentation data, being that we started out saying it's not only blood flow that causes dementia, it's these other factors also, plaque formation, the issue with the neurons, and perhaps changes in the immune system locally. 
so that you can't extrapolate the stroke data entirely to say, well, that proves that even in younger women, there are problems with brain function. All we have is a prospective study that was done as well as it could be done, but they only selected in WHI the women over 65. They had a younger group of women, obviously, and in the cardiovascular analysis of the data, it became very significant, which we can get into. But in the WHI study, which was going to be considered the gold standard, they only looked at women over age 65. Now, there are other studies about estrogen and memory and brain function studies, and they are confusing because in younger women who go through natural menopause, when they're studied around the time of the menopause, they don't see any short-term cognitive benefit in giving hormones. However, when you have a surgically menopausal young woman, there's studies to suggest that there is a cognitive benefit with estrogen. There's also studies in young women where temporarily their estrogen secretion is stopped with Lupron, and those were clearly shown to show problems with verbal memory and attention. And when estrogen was given back, verbal memory and attention improved. So that's where there's some confusion in the human data. When you don't necessarily always do neuroimaging, but you may do certain questionnaires or neuroscientific studies to sort of look at memory function and whatnot, you don't see a clear pattern in the natural menopausal woman but you may see a more abrupt pattern and somewhat of a clear pattern in the surgically menopausal woman or in the woman that takes medicines when she's young, premenopausal, that stop estrogen like Lupron or those drugs. So those studies have been very much indicative that estrogen does improve memory and attention in young women if they're estrogen deprived. There are also other studies, the Rancho Bernardo studies that are just observational studies and yet very profound because they show that individuals who are elderly, if you go backwards and look at women don't have Alzheimer's or any type of dementia when they're elderly and in these nursing home communities, they're usually the ones that have used estrogen early on, postmenopausally, and for long duration. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Advances in Women's Health on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, and I'm speaking with Dr. Veronica Ravnikar about the influence of hormone replacement therapy on cognitive function. I'd like to go back to something you were just talking about with the neuroimaging, because I think it's really fascinating that we do have studies that look at MRIs of women who have taken hormone replacement and those that have not. Can you talk a little bit about that? Basically, they're somewhat limited, the studies, because there's not a large number of women in those studies, but clearly show that areas where memory and attention and securing knowledge, like the hippocampal area, basically have more blood flow when estrogen is administered to someone who's been estrogen-deprived before. So it does show the effect of estrogen on these different centers of the brain, and it shows a different brain pattern, therefore, that indirectly then tells us that these areas are functioning more adeptly with estrogen supplementation. So, you know, while the current evidence is conflicting, it seems pretty clear that there's no definitive cognitive benefits of unopposed estrogen or combined estrogen progestin therapy for women over the age of 65 without underlying dementia. FDA approval aside, do you think that the evidence is strong enough based on what we do know to recommend HRT to the newly menopausal woman to preserve cognitive function? Unfortunately, I have to say that scientifically it's probably not strong enough, but we're going in that direction. So I think that when we treat patients, we have to tell patients what the FDA-approved indications are, listen to their history to see if there's any contraindications, 
and tell them what the absolute true known benefits of estrogen therapy are. And then, especially if they have histories of dementia in the family, be very upfront with them about the limitations of this knowledge. But I tend to tell them that I think it's still beneficial. A lot of those patients go to vitamin E and all these other over-the-counter. Those haven't been proven at all. They've been proven to be negative, actually, not beneficial. So I think that, you know, a healthy lifestyle, doing things just conservatively as well as you can, but using estrogen and, you know, waiting for further results soon after the menopause, to my mind, is not harmful. I would like to thank Dr. Ravnikar, who has been our guest, as we've discussed the influence of hormone extension on cognitive function. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker. Call us toll-free with your comments and suggestions at 888-MD-XM-157. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Advances in Women's Health, sponsored in part by Eli Lilly with your host, Dr. Lawrence Stryker. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, please go to reachmd.com forward slash women's health.